We're going to look in Revelation 11. It's been some time, over almost a month, since we've preached from the book of Revelation. And uh, I, I don't try to argue with God or, 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 or question why or what. I just try to preach what He says. But I felt compelled this week to preach here from this 11th chapter of Revelation. And um, we'll begin reading in verse 1. And uh, there's several verses I want to read. But I would like for you to stand, if you're able and willing, to give reverence to the Word of God. Revelation 11, what we're reading about is yet to happen, but it's, just, it's going to happen. Uh, as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, everything we read in this Bible is going to come to pass. And the Bible says in Revelation 11 and verse 1, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, and the altar in them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city that they shall tread underfoot forty and two months. That's three and a half years. And I'll give power unto my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth, and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over the waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the grave in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry, shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. They heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake there were slain of men seven thousand. And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. Father God, I bow my head before you this morning as humbly as I know how, Lord. I need your help and I need your touch. Lord, I know these things that we read about, Lord, they're beyond our own ability to understand and comprehend. But I pray, Lord, the spirit of truth, Lord, that you've given to us would guide us this morning and lead us into all truth. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at these things that are to come, that, Lord, our hearts would be stirred, Lord, our minds would be focused, Lord, and that we might get a hold of the purpose you have for our lives in the day in which we live. I pray this morning, if there's one lost under the sound of my voice, I pray the Holy Ghost would convict their heart. I pray a great fear would fall upon them. They'd realize their condition. And they'd be saved, Lord, before it's too late. Lord, I pray for those that are saved, Lord, that we'd quit playing games. We'd quit messing around. Lord, that we'd get back to doing what you'd have us to do with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. 
Lord, we love you today. I thank you for allowing me to preach. Lord, I don't deserve this. Lord, I don't deserve it at all. But I thank you, Lord, that in your infinite wisdom, Lord, and because of your wonderful grace, you saw fit to let me stand and preach the word of God. And I pray now I do it in such a way that would please you and would honor you and glorify you so that when I stand before you one day at the great day of judgment, I would not have to bow my head in shame. But Lord, I'd be able to look you and tell you I did the very best I could. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask it. Amen and amen. You be seated. It's been some time since we've been in Revelation, so I'm going to give you just a little bit so you know what's going on. One of the great, one of the hardest things about interpreting this book and preaching it is these parentheses where we are between trumpets, between woes, between vows. Because um, whenever you get in these uh, parentheses, if you would, uh, they talk about some things that have happened in previous chapters and then they also talk about some things that happen in future chapters and it's not hard to get it's not it's not hard for somebody to get confused when you're trying to figure out is this something that has happened or is this something that's going to happen but I just want to do the best I can and if I say something that's not um, exactly right and 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 I'm not trying to be wrong I, I try my best to rightly divide the word of truth and say what God has said now, there's some that want to spiritualize the entire book of Revelation. And there is symbolism in the book of Revelation. Uh, but I believe what we read about just now is something that is literally going to take place. I believe that God's got two witnesses right now in heaven that He's going to send to the earth during the Great Tribulation. They're going to be the last witnesses God sends to earth. Think about that. But Larry, God's been sending a witness to this earth for a long time. You know, the first prophet was Abel. You say Abel was a prophet. I thought he was a martyr. He was a martyr, but he's also a prophet. What was he a prophet? Well, his blood cried from the ground. And God's had a man and God's had a message for every generation. Ever since Abel all the way down through the prophets and now into this very day, God has still got men that are standing and proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. And these two witnesses here, I want to just start, let's just give a little background. Verse 1, the Bible says there's going to be a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God. It says in verse 2, and the holy city shall they tread. Now, it's real important and when you read the Bible uh, to know who is this talking about. What, is it a Jew? Is it the Gentiles or is it the church of God? Well, this is, is clearly talking to Jews. It's the temple of God and the holy city, a specific place. Uh, now, there's been other temples. We know the first temple Solomon built, uh, and, and it was the most glorious of all the temples uh, that were ever on, that have been on earth or shall be on earth until the millennial kingdom. Now, that temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians around 586 B.C. And then uh, the Jews came back under Ezra and Zerubbabel and Nehemiah and they rebuilt another temple uh, there. And, uh, and, and that temple, when they built it, the, old, the, the young men rejoiced and the old men cried. And the old men cried because they had seen the first temple and the second temple was nothing like it. But God told them something this. He said the glory of this latter uh, shall outshine the glory of the former. 
And what he was implying or what he was speaking about is it was in that temple where Jesus was going to come. Amen. Uh, in his earthly ministry. Now, we know that that temple was destroyed. Some refer to as Herod's temple uh, in AD 70 by the Roman Empire and uh, Titus, uh, Emperor of Rome. And, uh, and now for 2,000 plus years, uh, there's been no temple in Israel. Uh, but I want you to know that doesn't mean there will not be a temple in Israel. Uh, right now in Israel, the, the, uh, there is a mosque sitting on that hill where the temple once was. And I believe it's to the, uh, the mosque or the something of Omar is what they call it, the Golden Dome. You've probably seen pictures of that. Uh, but I've read and I've been studying this the past few weeks, actually a month on these texts. And they tell me, Brother Larry, that underneath Jerusalem, uh, there's aqueducts, there's, there's tunnels that you can walk all underneath that city. They tell me that underneath, in that, underneath that temple of Omar, that there is a plaque on the wall and it says, this is where the Holy of Holies is. They've got the spot marked where they're going to put it one day. Amen. And, and I believe with all my heart that there is going to be a real temple built during the, during the tribulation. Who is going to authorize it? Who is going to enable it? I believe it'll be the Antichrist. I do. He is going to build the temple for them as a token of his good intentions to honor the covenant that he's going to make with Israel. Now, I don't want to lose you, but if you get lost, that's between you and I'm going to do preach what I can. It's a whole lot to say and a little time to say it. Uh, but the Israel is going to make a covenant. Uh, Isaiah 28, 15 calls it a covenant of death. Uh, they're going to make a covenant with the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to do what no other political leader's ever been able to do. I believe he's going to come out of the European common market thingy over there, they call it ECUM, whatever it is. Uh, I believe he's going to be able to get peace with Israel. And the way he's going to make peace is he's going to build them a temple. It's a specific place. It's a temple, a real temple. Now listen to what God says about it. Now in verse 22, He references to the Holy City. We know that's Jerusalem. But look on down in verse number 8. He says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, I want to talk about this place. What is it that God calls this place? Number one, He calls it Egypt. It's called Sodom. Spiritual Sodom. That speaks of the vice of that city. You understand Jerusalem at one time uh, in the history of the world, at one time it was the center of the worship of God in the whole world. At one time, the Shekinah glory of God rested above the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And at one time, it was the holiest place on earth. But during the tribulation, it's going to become like unto Sodom. It's going to be, and I want you to know that it's going to become the hub of all perversion. And we're living in a perverted world right now. I mean a twisted, a evil, a corrupt, a vile world. Uh, and, it's, and it's happening more and more and more. But in the tribulation, it's going to be like the world's never seen. He said it's got the spirit of Sodom. 
He said, not only is it called Sodom, but Egypt. Egypt's known for their vanity. So it's a place of vice, but it's also a place of vanity. Egypt was a worldly place. Egypt was a culture, but Egypt was a, a place where money is everything. Gold, silver, uh, and all. And by the way, I, I can't remember it. Miss Rickman, probably Miss Rickman. I'm thinking about her as a school teacher. Sister Kim Rickman. Uh, she probably could tell me, I can't remember the guy that wrote it, uh, the city of God. It's a, it's a, a uh, two cities, a town, two cities. Who's that? Dickens. And in there, he says that there, <laughs> I did, I got this from the, uh, the, what's that little, the Cliff Notes book that I read for the test. But in there, he says that it was the darkest of times and it was the best of times. It was the happiest of times. It was the saddest of times. It was the smartest of times and it was the most, and that's exactly what's going to be going on in the tribulation. I mean, technology's going to boom and, and, and I mean, listen, once they get rid of us and the church and all these restraints they got on, I mean, it's going to be in some people's eyes the best of the times, but also it's going to be the worst of the times. But God said, I call that place Sodom and Egypt. It's a place of vice. It's a place of vanity. But he says, where also our Lord was crucified. A place of violence. Israel, Jerusalem's a bloody place. A bloody place. That's where they crucified the Lord of glory. And in the tribulation, it's going to be a violent place. I mean, murder and all this is, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, think about how it is now. It's going to be way worse then. He mentions a specific place. But then in verse number uh, two, he says, but the court which is without the temple leave out. And measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now listen to this. In verse 1, he says, and the altar. So not only do we see a specific place, but now we see there is a sacrilegious practice going on. You say, what do you mean, Brother Martin? What's sacrilegious about this? Well, I'll tell you what it is. And by the way, they tell me that right now, right now the Jews in, in Israel are training a Levitical priesthood right now. They have got a school for, and they've got, and, and they keep up with these genealogies and they know that the, the ones that are Levite, the tribe of Levite, and Brother Tucker, they're training them right now how to sacrifice animals, how to cut their throat, how to apply the blood, how to make the guard, all that is, is happening right now. And, but you say, what's sacrilegious about that? Because they're going to begin, they're going to reinstitute Old Testament sacrifices in this temple. And you say, what's so bad about, i tell you what's bad about that. Every Every drop of blood they shed is going to be a mockery to God. Every, every lamb, Brother Larry, they bring in there is going to be pointing their finger, making, mocking Jesus. They're going to be doing it, Drew, in the same city where the Lamb of God was crucified. I mean, it's going to be a sacrilegious practice going on. And by the way, it's happening right now all over the world. Every Catholic church in America this morning, they're crucifying the Son of God again. Uh, when they say that that cracker is his blood, his bread, his, his flesh, and that wine is his blood and they go around eating his body and that is a mockery to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He, was, he died once for our sins. You hear? You know what I'm saying? The Bible said he died once for all. But in the, in the, in the tribulation, they're going to be blaspheming God by, by sacrificing animals and saying Jesus was not enough. 
The Western Wall over there is still, only part of the temple still standing. And they pray every day. And you know what they pray? Have you ever seen the, the pictures of the rabbis with their head bobbing? You know what? They're praying for two things. They're praying for the Messiah to come and for the temple to be rebuilt. And oh, if they could only know, their hearts are dark and their eyes are blinded. If they could only know that the Son of God has come, amen. The Messiah already has come. And the temple that they want so bad, that temple that uh, they're praying for, Brother Larry, they don't realize it. Uh, but that temple is going to become the, uh, a house for the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God himself. And because of that temple that they want so bad, there's going to be more Jews killed on this earth during the tribulation than any other period of time. Now, verse 3, there's a special people. He says this, I'll give power unto my two witnesses. Two witnesses. You know, God always has sent two. Noah and Enoch. They prophesied before the flood. They, then He sent Elijah and Elisha. Then He sent Jesus and John the Baptist. Then He sent Paul and Timothy. And why, why is that? Because the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. He has two witnesses. There's a lot of debate about these men, who they are. Some say Moses and Elijah. Uh, some say Enoch and Elijah. I, I believe it's Enoch and Elijah because Moses died and, and it's appointed that a man wants to die. He can't die anyhow. Uh, it could be. It doesn't matter. Uh, some say Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. We do know in Luke chapter 9, Moses and Elijah come down here to earth and spoke with uh, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. So it has happened, uh, but now God says, I've got these. Now, first of all, I, I just got to get this off my chest. We have got a wonderful, loving, merciful, graceful God. You understand me? You say, what do you mean? I mean, in the midst of the great tribulation, as God's judging the earth, as God's pouring His wrath on the earth, He just, it's almost like God just can't let the world go. It's almost like He just has to send them one more, one more opportunity one more a witness, one more a messenger. And the Bible says, he said, and I'll send my two witnesses. If, Lord, help me just for a moment. I want to preach on this. Can I get a witness? Now, several years ago, now the older I get, the more that several number means. When I was 17, 18 years old, I went with Brother Willard. He preached in Concord, North Carolina for a preacher named Tommy Steele. Tommy Steele is a black preacher. And Tom, I mean, they get down. I'm talking about they get down in that church. They do. I mean, they got the organ, the zoom, zoom. They got it all. And, 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 and Brother Weld was preaching. And it's a large church. You know what I'm saying? And, and Brother Tacker, it was the second night we was eating before church. And, Brother, and Tommy still looked at me. And I, and I looked up to him. I mean, I did. I admired him. I could probably, <coughs> I can, um, I can uh, I could probably preach to y'all every message I've heard. He he has one message he preached on the devil's raising Cain, but God's still able. <laughs> and uh, he's got another one he preaches on Naboth, and he says, You can't have it. My daddy gave it to me. And and but anyhow, Tommy still when he was eating, he said, Hey, hey son, he said, Could you preach a little bit tonight? And I said, Yeah, but on the inside I about died. And Brother Tacker, I've never enjoyed preaching more than I did that day because they preached more than I preach. And, 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 and those preachers, you've, been, you've watched enough TDJs. Don't lie. I know you sneak around and watch them. 
And they'll say that statement, can I get a witness? And what they're saying is, is there anyone here that would bear witness with what I'm saying? Is there anybody here that would agree with what I'm saying? Is there anybody here that knows what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness? And I'm glad that God's always had a witness, aren't you? I'm glad, listen, I'm glad that God had a witness at 1221 Harmony Street at Gainesville, Georgia on a December night when a 16-year-old boy was sitting in a pew and that witness stood up and preached, Thus saith the Lord, and the Holy Ghost convicted my heart. If it hadn't have been for a witness, we'd all be on our way to hell. I thank God for a witness, don't you? I thank God that ever since Jesus left this earth, there's been a witness for the truth. Amen? How this world's been evil, it's been bad, but God's always had a witness. Amen. He has two in the tribulation. Now I want you to notice, this is... This is one of the harder portions to apply. But I believe there is application. You know, we're supposed to be witnesses. The Bible says in Acts 1, and you shall, shall be witnesses unto me. Jesus told us in Luke that we should be witnesses to all nations. Amen. We, well, everybody in here should say, I want to be a witness. And I believe that we can, even though none of us that are saved are going to be in the tribulation. Amen. None of us that are saved. And by the way, everybody wants to argue about that. Uh, Revelations 4, 1, not being the rapture. Well, what? Ha I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But you got another come up hither in Revelations 11. And when, when the come up hither went out, uh, uh, the two witnesses went up. And I got news in Revelations 4, 1, when he says come up hither, that's when we're going out. Amen. He says come up hither and we're going up thither. Amen. But the truth is that I think, now listen, I believe that we can see in these Two witnesses, some things that if we would put into our life, we could be a, we could be a witness too. Now notice this verse three. I'm gonna hurry, and I'll give power unto my two witnesses. I'll give power unto my two witnesses. I like the way the Bible says things, don't you? That's why I love the King James Bible. I didn't check the author. I didn't check the NASB, NIV. I didn't, check, I didn't check none of them how they said it because you can't beat how it says it right here. He says, I'll give power to my two witnesses. Now the devil's got witnesses too. You know that. And they're in churches. Amen. They're behind pulpits. But these two witnesses, the Bible says, God said, I will give them power. The first thing about this being a witness is this. They are filled with power. Filled with power. These men, now here is my belief. There is a special anointing. There is a special unction. There is a gift that God gives to certain men. Who, and, and by the way, every man is not supposed to be a preacher. And, and every man is not supposed to be a pastor. Can you imagine if that were true, there'd be no congregation. It'd just be a whole bunch of, I mean, amen. Uh, but, but the truth is that there is an enabling that God gives to certain God. And, I, and here's what I believe with all my heart. I believe these last two witnesses, Brother Tacker, these last two prophets, these last two men of God, the last two he's ever going to send to earth, I believe God's going to fill them with so much power. They're going to have the power of the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're going to have the anointing and the unction and the divine supernatural power that's a preach in such a way that it's going to shake the earth. 
There's a lot of debate and argument about when and how and where and what they're going to. But the truth of the matter is, I believe they're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. I believe them 144,000 Jews that are going to be evangelists sealed in their head by God. These two witnesses are going to have an effect on them 144,000 witnesses. Amen. And they're, they're going to preach with power in ways that people have never seen. You say, well, that sounds good, Brother Martin. That's good for them, but what about us? I want you to know the very same power that God's going to fill them with. He can fill you with. He can fill me with. And we can have a ministry as well. Filled with power. Acts 1.8 says you shall receive power. Acts 4.33 with great power gave the apostles witness in the resurrection. Acts 6.8 and Stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and miracles among the people. I mean listen I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred, when I die I'll be Baptist dead uh, but I'm telling you this morning the Baptist church in general has dismissed the power of God. We're so scared of it. We're so afraid of it. Uh, if somebody even coughs out too much. Oh we get it. We get it. If somebody testifies or if somebody cries or somebody shouts or if a preacher gets uh, uh, gets a little animated or a little loud or I mean it just blows the I mean they just oh it's just like I can't believe what's going on here but I want you to know the where the church began in Jerusalem with the first church in the first century it was a power filled church when those men preached God worked and things happened and by the way it wasn't just the preachers that were full of power It's almost like we don't say, well, that church is powerful if there's somebody behind the pulpit. That's the mindset is the man behind the pulpit is the one that's got to be filled with power. But Acts 2, 4, it says they were all filled. Amen. Amen. 120 of them were in the upper room. You know how many of them got filled? 120. You know how many of them preached? One. You know how many got saved, baptized that day? 3,000. So I want to ask you something. Was it because there was one man filled that 3,000 got saved? Or was it because there was 120, amen, uh, that got, I believe it was because the whole church got filled. It wasn't just one man, it was all the men. It wasn't just one woman, it was all the women. And by the way, women and children, young people, if you're saved, you need and can and must be filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, listen, I, you, you, there's, we don't hear much preaching anymore about being filled with the Spirit. Oh, but how we need the power of God. We're fighting a battle we cannot win without the power of God. Oh, we're in a situation we cannot get out of without the power of God. Our children aren't going to make it without the power of God. This church won't survive without the power of God. They were filled with power. So I ask you this morning, are you filled with the power of God? You say, but I'm not. Well, do you desire to be filled? The Bible says that the thirsty, the hungry and thirsty, he'll feel. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you desire to be filled with the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit is not me having more of God. It's God having all of me. Amen. Amen. The Bible likens to being drunk. 
Ephesians 5 says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And by the way, that is a command. That is a command to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible alludes to it as walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, uh, being controlled by the Spirit. Uh, listen to me, there's no life better lived than one lived being filled with the power of the Spirit of God. Amen. Filled with power. These men are going to be something else. Amen. I hope God lets us get a peek from heaven and see. I want to see it. Amen. I want to see them. I want you to know this morning we can be filled with power too. But we can't be full of God and full of ourselves at the same time. I cannot be full of the power of God and full of pride and rebellion and anger and jealousy and lying and lust and all those things. It's either one or the other. But if you and I will come to God and bow before Him, that church before they were ever filled, they were in one mind, in one accord, in one place, and they prayed. They prayed. They prayed together. Amen. And the place where they were gathered was shaken. Amen. It was shaken by the power of God. What would happen if every member of Unity Missionary Baptist Church had come to the altar today and said, Lord, I'm going to give you all my pride. I'm going to give you all my rebellion. I'm going to give you all my sins. Everything I'm playing with and, 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 and devil, I'm giving it all to you. I want you to take it all away and fill me, oh God, with the Holy Ghost. What would happen? Amen. Can I get a witness? It's filled with power. Number two, they were faithful in their preaching. Faithful in their preaching. The Bible says in verse three, there'll be witnesses. Witnesses. Now you cannot witness of something to someone until you first witnessed of it. Jesus said in, in, in Luke 20, he said, You shall be witnesses. And then and then in, in the Acts, he said, Be witnesses unto me. You have to witness before you can witness. Most of us can't tell others of something because we've not seen it ourselves. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I believe with all my heart that churches are full of people who've got it right here, but they've never had it right there. One preacher said this. That he said, you know, how, you know the difference between there and there? It's hell. Head knowledge, heart knowledge. There's a lot of people that are that close to going to heaven. That close. I mean, they're that close. If you ask them, how, how, how's a person saved? Oh, they can tell you. If you ask them, why do we, well, you know what, you know about Bible doctrine and Baptist doctrine, why do we believe in this? Why? They know all that. They can recite the Lord's Prayer. They can quote the Romans Road. They know all about it. They can, they can quote Bible. They can sing the songs. They know when to, when to sit down, when to stand up, when to cry, when to shout, when to raise their hand. But listen to me, I'm telling you, there's something different in having it here and having it there. They're witnesses. They're faithful. They're preaching. Look at verse 3. I'm going to show you a couple things. Got to look for clues when you're trying to preach on these things. And there's a clue. It says they'll be clothed in sackcloth. That's a clue. These men are not going to be wearing heart shafter marks. They're not going to be wearing chat, Ralph Lauren. They're not, but, but, but I, now my preacher taught me that you need to look like a preacher, you need to act, and when you preach, I and mean, that's just what he taught me. So I said, like, oh, why do you wear them suits? Because my preacher told me to. Amen. And that's the way I was right nowadays. Things, I mean, things is changing, but I want to hold on to that one thing. I believe we all, if I was going to meet the president, well, let's just do that, you know, 
whatever you call that speak, you know, but anyhow, you wouldn't show up with your work clothes on. You understand? You'd try to, you'd try, but anyhow, these men are not wearing three-piece suits and, 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 and ties and, and flourishing wingtip shoes, but they've got on sackcloth on their bodies. You see, this, they're faithful in preaching a sad message. That word sackcloth, it speaks of mourning and anguish. You say, brother, what's I got to do with being faithful? Well, it's much easier to preach a happy message than a sad message. They're wearing sackcloth because they know the end. They know what's going to happen. Now, I'm talking about this is going to happen in modern day. This is like modern. You understand what I'm saying? And can you imagine people looking at them and laughing at them as they stand there? I believe they're going to preach outside the temple. I believe it's going to be right there in Jerusalem. And they're going to be preaching to them saying, what are you going in there for? The Lamb of God's already been slain. Why are you doing this? You're wrong. You need to get saved. You need to turn to the God. And they're going to look at them. And I'm telling you, it's hard to preach a sad message. It's hard to tell people that hell and heaven's their only option. It's hard to say the way is called straight and narrow. It's hard to say there's just one door and that you can go in. But I'm telling you what we ought to do in the modern day in which we live is take off our fancy robes of religion and put on the sackcloth again. Sad message. Verse 4. These are two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Not only do they have a sad, but it's a shining message. They're like candlesticks. Candlesticks give off light and darkness. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men. Think about this. We're living in dark times. But nothing like they're going to be living in. In fact, Drew, they're going to be the only two candlesticks on earth. But guess what they do? They shine. They shine. You said, Brother Martin, there was a day and a time where there were so many more people that believed like us, acted like us, taught like us, did like us, and there were so many more people. I'm telling you, there's never been a time where we need to shine more than we need to shine now. People are groping in darkness, having no idea where they are, where they're going, or where they've been, and these two men are going to shine like lights for God. It's a supported message, though. Look at verse 5. If any man will hurt them, fire proceed. You ever heard of a fire-breathing preacher? Fire-breathing preaching? There they are. So I just don't believe that. Well, I ain't going to say what I was wanting to say, but I believe it. We're not talking about this is a whole new, this is tribulation time. That's not all they're going to do. But I'm telling you, you say, how are they supported? Because God's going to defend them. He's going to protect them. He's going to watch over them. They're going to be on the number one hit list. I mean, every, every, every Friday night uh, when they come on America's Most Wanted. I don't know, they'll probably call it something else. Babylon's Most Wanted or Rome's Most Wanted or Antichrist Most Wanted. And number one, it's not going to be one and two. It's going to be one A and one B. It's going to be Elijah and Enoch or Elijah. And they're going to have a picture of them with sackcloth on. And they're, <laughs> they're going to say, if you see these men, 
You kill them on sight. Can you imagine the bounty that the Antichrist is going to offer for their lives? He's going to tell them, hey, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. You can have this. You can have land. You can have power. And people are going to try to hurt them through. They're going to try to kill them. They're going to hunt them down. But when they get close unto them, amen, they're going to breathe fire out of their mouth and consume them. Amen. And by the way, do you know the preacher's best defense is to preach the word? That's the best thing we can do is just what our word, uh, what does say the Lord. Uh, but I'm telling you, they, they are going to be supported. Supported by who? Supported by God. Can you imagine being the only two on earth? God's going to support them. Verse 6, it says these have power to shut heaven. There's going to be able to bring drought. And then he says, turn water to blood. They're going to be able to bring death. That speaks of blood, death. And they're going to have smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. That's disease. I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's coincidental all these different diseases are Who's ever heard of monkeypox? It's coming. And, hey, Miss Sheila's the only one that's ever had that. Pray for her. But, but, but I'm telling you, all that is not so they can show off. It's not so they can, and can put on. It's not like these men are going to be having a carnival and say, look at us breathing fire or, or watch this. and call it. That's not what it's about. I tell you what it's about. It's the God of heaven defending them and saying, these are my two witnesses. These are my two men. And you cannot touch them. You cannot kill them. They're mine. Uh, and you can't have them. I want you to know this morning, the world wants us gone. The world wants us done away. With, but I'm glad to know that the same God that defended them, He'll defend us in these days. Amen. Amen. Faithful in their preaching. They got a support, they got a scolding message. So in verse 10 it says, Because these two prophets tormented them. Now you thought I've tormented you, preacher. That word torment means to bring down low. We're living in a day where they say preachers are just supposed to build everything up. Build everything. Just, just, you know, just, just, you know, just tell everybody, you know, just don't worry about the sin. Just don't worry about, just, just puff it. Just, just, just be nice and be, and, and, and I wish I could be nicer. My wife really wishes I was nicer than I am. But, but I'm just here to tell you, these two men are not going to be sweet and soft spoken and they're not going to be, they're going to torment men with what they say. <laughs> They're going, I'm telling you, it's going to be a scolding message. A scolding message. Now, in verse number 7, I'm bound to determine we're going to finish this. And they shall finish their testimony of the beast that ascendeth out of the bottom's pit, shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. They're going to be faced with persecution. Do you know today, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when you and I will be persecuted. The good thing is, Jesus said, though, for us not to even worry about what we're going to say or what we're going to do. He said, when that day comes, I'll give you what to say and what to do. He said, remember, I watched somebody, what if they come in and try to shut us down? What if they try to lift our tax exemption? I believe that's coming. I just do. I don't want to. We're not on Facebook Live. I believe that, that's coming. It's just around the corner. Uh, what are we going to do when they make us uh, get licenses? Uh, 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 you know, what if, what if they tell you you got to have a license to, to preach? And uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you say, what I'm saying is, hey, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to do when it happens. When it happens, I'll tell you what to do. But these two men are going to be faced with persecution. The leader of the world is going to come after them. 
God's people have always had somebody who was after them. Abel had Cain. David had Saul. Elijah had Ahab. Jesus had, uh, Jesus had Herod. Paul had Nero. They want us. They want us gone. Quickly, I want you to see the extermination of those witnesses. He says they shall be killed. He shall kill them. Now, I don't want you to turn there because I'm trying to finish, but Revelation 13.3 says this, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Again, I told you this is parenthetical. It talks about things. Now, here's what I believe based on what I've read. I believe these two witnesses are going to be the ones that kill the Antichrist. They're going to wound him. And he's going to come back. The devil's going to re he's going to be raised by the power of Satan. And that's when he's going to go from being the he's going to become God to men. But but he hates these two witnesses. He hates them. God gave them a certain time. You can read about it in verse number three. He gave them a certain time, three and a half years. But when their time is up, God will allow the beast to kill them in the streets of Jerusalem. You know, it's not up to us how things end. We can't write the last chapter of our story. We have to let God be in control. And, and the truth is, there's a, the extermination of the women. Then verse number 8, and their dead bodies shall lie in the streets of the city, and with, and, which is spiritually called Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and the Bible says, verse 9, and they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. There's the publication. To the world. Now, used to, they said, I don't know how this is going to happen. How is everybody going to see it in all the world? i tell you why. Everybody in the world is going to have their phone out, just like they do now. Makes me so mad. You'll see some, and there'll be some man hitting a woman, and it's what everybody wants to do, walk around. If, if, if you see a, a man hitting a woman, it's time to grab a baseball bat, sledgehammer, whatever you can find, and, and go and, and throw a brick, do something. I mean, but, but now, now everybody wants to pull out, and guess what they're going to do? They're going to pull out their phones. They're dead. And then somebody's going to like, share, share, like, share, like, like, share, share, like, and CNN is going to switch over and say, oh, looky here. They said they were witnesses. They No, everybody thought these were, but they're just like you. They're just like, they're dead. They're dead. He, the, the beast has won. The beast killed them, the Antichrist. They're dead, and they're going to publicize it all over the world. Verse 10, and the Bible says, and they should dwell on the earth. Shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets torn them that dwell on the earth. There's going to be a celebration. They're going to party. Give gifts like a holiday. Cheers will be heard. I want you to know this. I want to be the type of preacher the world rejoices over when I'm gone, not when I'm here. There's a lot of them the world loves right now. I don't want to be the one they love right now. I want to be the one they love when I'm gone. When they say, hey, thank God they're gone. And that's what the world's going to do. They're going to say, oh, hey. But, hey, they're going to send each other gifts. They're going to get drunk. They're going to have a party because these two thorns in their side are dead. Or so they think. Verse 11, I'm done. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them and they stood upon their feet. These two witnesses were faced with persecution. These two witnesses were filled with power. But these two witnesses fulfilled their purpose. Verse 7, it says, And when they shall have finished their testimony. 
Let me tell you this. If you're in the will of God, you're immortal until God's done with you. God, you know when Jesus died? When it was finished. You know when Paul, you say, well, Nero killed Paul. No, Paul was finished. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. If you're living in the will of God and you're, and you're obeying God and you're doing what God's will for your life, you'll die when God is done with you. And he says that when they are, when, and when they had finished their testimony, you're here this morning and you're alive, I believe. Now, some I'm worried about, but you're most part, everybody in here is alive. Can everybody can just move, do something, smile. Everybody's still alive in here this morning. Then guess what? You're not finished. But there's going to come a day, Brother Larry, when I'm going to finish my testimony. And you're going to finish your testimony, Drew. All of us will come a day. When our testimony will be finished. There's inspiration. It says in verse 11, the Spirit of God, the breath of life coming to them, the Spirit of life from God. Three days and a half, they're going to sit there and bloat, turn colors, and there's going to be cameras on them. They're going to be watching them. I mean, and this going, I mean, think about what an evil world is let them two men lay out there in the streets. But after three and a half days, they're, they're, the swelling's going to begin to go down. The color's going to come back in their flesh. And it, whether it's Elijah, Enoch, Moses, I don't, whether it's Paul, I, whoever these two, whoever it is, Brother, uh, brother Justin, they're going to stand up on their feet. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh my, can you see? The Bible says they're going to be affrighted. The men of earth are going to be affrighted. And guess what? You'd be affrighted too. All the party's going to stop. All the gifts ain't going. They're going to stop for a moment. Those two men are going to stand up. There's going to be an inspiration. God is going to breathe into them the breath of life, and they're going to stand back on their feet. Uh, the world thought they were gone, but they weren't gone. Amen. Uh, they're back. Amen. They're back, and they're standing on their feet. There's inspiration. Then there's an evacuation. He said, "Come up hither. Come up hither." I got news. One of these days, we're going to have an evacuation too. Amen. Amen. There's going to be an evacuation. The same thing that happened to them is going to happen to us. The breath of God. The breath of life. Everyone we know, love, that have been around, that have died in Christ, died in faith, have been buried in hopes of the resurrection, planted in the hopes of the resurrection. One day the Spirit of God will breathe life into them too. And they'll arise from their grave. And they'll go up just like these two witnesses are going up. Verse 13, there's vindication. In the same hour was there a great earthquake. In the tenth part of the city fell. The earthquake, they're slain of men, 7,000. God's going to vindicate these two men. They're going to go up, and all of a sudden, everything's going to start shaking. He says a great, earth, a great earthquake. And, and, and a tenth part of the city is going to crumble to the ground. And 7,000 men are going to be slain in this earthquake. I, what I'm saying is this is God vindicating His two messengers, His two witnesses. It's God saying they were right and you were wrong. It's God saying, listen, you may shake your fist at me. You may mock me. You may, you may make jokes and blaspheme my name. But I'm still God and I'm still in control. Amen. And I want you to know God's going to vindicate His people. He will vindicate us even though the world wants to dismiss us and mock us and, and belittle what we say and what we do. There's Coming today, where God's going to shake the earth. Hey. He's going to shake things up. Verse 13, and he says, And the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. There's glorification. 
So what are you saying, Brother Martin? Well, these two men are going to cause others on earth to glorify God. Now whether it's sincere or whether it's long term, I don't know. But all I know is there's people glorifying God. And you and I should want to live our lives in such a way that when we leave, there's people that glorify God on our behalf because we were here. It's not about leaving. When we leave here, it's not going to be about what we left behind and who, all the things we accomplished. And I've been to funerals before and it's almost embarrassing where they talk, brag up people and gloat and carry on. I got news for you. When, if, when you come to mind, I'm gone. It's almost like they think they can hear them bragging on them. Don't brag on me. Brag on Him. And when all the men, the Bible says they're going to be affrighted. And when they go up and the earth begins to shake and the, and the buildings are falling down and it's all over, Brother Larry, there's going to be a few. It ain't going to be everybody, but there's going to be a few that say glory to God for them two men. How glory to God that they told us what was right. How glory to God that they didn't turn back and bow their knee to the beast and, and to the false prophet. Glory to God they told us what they, what, what they sent the Lord and not what we want to hear.